the innovation isn't necessarily a collection of good ideas all put together. No, it's a lot of time a collection of bad ideas and you have an idea and you put it out there and you talk about it and you find out it's bad or it's missing something. So you come up with another idea and maybe that idea is bad because it's missing something else, but you keep bouncing and refining and talking and working and that leads you to the good idea. So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Have you ever opened a present that you really wanted? but it wasn't what you'd hoped for. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Dale and Brian Carmi here. And um, yeah, it's an interesting question, Brian. Uh, I think every Christmas and every birthday that's happened to me. Sorry, kids. The the problem is not the gifts I'm getting. The problem sometimes is my expectations. Expectations. Because man, people can sell the sizzle, but the steak doesn't always come with it. Yeah, sometimes you get that at the restaurant too. You see something on the menu that looks oh, really you good. You see the picture, and you order it, <laughs> and it comes out, and you're like, "That isn't what that looks." And like. even if it looks like it, and you taste Doesn't. it, it's not like you hoped. So, so yeah, and I think we're going to talk about this some as you go. But you know, a lot of times there are um, that man. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. I really want this. It's good. And then you get it, and sometimes you're faced with faced with a disappointment. Or sometimes just different than you expected. And so we're at the part of the story where we were talking about starting Foreverlon. And we have a new product. And, um, you know, we had seen samples of it. Had a unique backing, a unique blade structure. We were pretty excited about this stuff. But we had never worked with it before. Yeah. And we'd, we'd spent a lot of time getting to this point. And we'd, we'd gone through all the paces to say, this is where we want to go. But because it was built differently and the backing was different. Uh, we hadn't really thought through this all of a sudden we couldn't do, we couldn't install the way we used to install. We couldn't cut the grass the way we used to cut it. It's kind of everything changed. Yeah. And, and so I know this is a little bit of inside baseball stuff, but for those of you that aren't familiar with artificial turf, um, we had started working with a product that just had a, it's called a urethane backing on it. So that the grass is tufted. You have these rows, these individual rows of grass blades that with a, a standard backing, you can still see from the backside. So if you flip it upside down, you can see where these rows of grass are and you can cut in between them. Well, one of the great things about the premium backing we use with Foreverline is it encapsulates those blades. So there's a thicker layer of urethane and then there's a geotex, there's a, a laminate that covers the blades completely and that protects the blades. That's great. The problem is you don't see anything. You can't see the blades, <laughs> the back from the back side, like one big area. And, and when we're installing, we have to be precise and make sure one row is cut straight the whole way down. So we, we had some interesting stories. We, we, we get out uh, first job. I think I remember, I might not have even been out on the first project. So I think I remember getting a call from you. Yeah, I remember making the call. And I remember telling you, so another unique thing was the blade structure. So we had different blades. We had straight blades and curled blades. It created some fullness to the product and a little different look. Um, 
that was good. The challenge was it was every other row. So you would have a straight row and then a curled row and then a straight row and a curled row. So it was important when you would seam it together, you had to somehow line up the straight on one side with a curled on another. And so here we are, we get these rolls and, you know, the, the people that we had talked to at the, you know, the supplier, the sportsville company that was supplying us this product was telling us that you got to make sure you, you alternate rows and you're lining it up. And we're looking at this thing and we're like, well, how? How do we cut how it? Do you cut it? We can't even find the rows. You can't in the see the second. rows. How do you know you're you're staying in the row? We'd started thinking, oh, we'll just string line on the back. Well, the problem with string lining was you couldn't go straight down a row, so you're going to cross over rows often. But even if you, you didn't know which row was which, and so then we we said, well, maybe what we need to do, and we just have a utility knife that we're used to cutting the grass with. We thought, well, maybe we'll take this utility knife and we'll take a, a nail. And we'll try and separate the blades. Well, right. We we kept trying to find ways to cut from behind, and, and we just couldn't, you couldn't get that to work. Yeah. So then we said, okay, we got to cut from on top. But when we're cutting from on top, you don't want to cut the grass blades. So that's where we wanted to get the nail and kind of clear out the area and run the blade from on top. And it, <laughs> so the first call. You, you yeah. I, and I remember this call. I remember you. we were talking, and I, was, I can picture the job we were on. Um, I was working with the crew trying to get it installed, and, and you said, hey, how, what's the product like? How's it look? And I said, well, the product's good, but I think this backing's got to go. I don't think this <laughs> stuff's going to work. We need our standard, the backing we're used to. And so let's just tell them you know, to drop that, and we're going to go back to the way it was. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know exactly what happened, but you must have been wise enough to say, hey, let's give it another shot. Let's try. And maybe we, we talked to, to them. And I do remember them throwing out a, a loop pile seam cutter, yeah. which was a tool we could use. Hey, you you, you used uh, my name and Y's in the same sentence. So I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. Let's put that one, put it up on the board. Um, yeah. I mean, so we had to, I mean, look, we, we had to innovate, right? Yeah. We had to create either, either we had to change direction, which, uh, I know that was a, your first comment, maybe a little bit knee jerk, but it's like, okay, how are we going to make this work? So <clears throat> we get this tool, this loop, loop pile carpet cutter. And, you know, I, I want to say it made it a little bit better, but not really. Right. Because we still couldn't see from on top where the rows were and we still used the nail and it would take two of us to cut, um, you know, the, the edge of the the grass off probably 10 or 15 minutes what we used to do in a minute. And I remember so our, our productivity went way down. Yeah. And I remember we tried unique things like maybe we could duct tape a screw on the front or, or not a screw, a nail on the front. Maybe we could, you know, like you said, have one person go ahead and with the, the nail and another person come through with the crane. And, uh, that is not a big crane that lifts sorry. heavy things and that transports them. That was the, the brand or the name yes. of the tool we use, the loop pile carpet cutter. But, um, yeah, we talk about innovation being one of our core values and, and sometimes innovation, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. That's a great quote. How'd you come up I, with well, that? Well, you know, sometimes when I'm sleeping, things <laughs> just come to me, but sometimes you've got to put yourself into that unknown, into that area of something new, something you're not used to to create uh, the demand for that innovation. And so if we hadn't started working with this product, if we hadn't said, hey, we don't know how to use this backing, we wouldn't have come up with a solution. And um, really, it was my father-in-law, Steve. He was out there working with us, running crews, and he saw us trying to do this stuff. And he said, you know, maybe we could 
Uh, well, forma. I, I remember as, as we're talking about it, because th- this is what we do a lot of times is we'd have a problem and say, okay, let's talk through this. Uh, how, how do we make this work? And, and I remember what you and I were saying, it's like, if we had a snow plow, right? If there was like this yeah. mini plow that was on the front of this tool that would part the grass ahead of us, like, like parting the waters or plowing the snow, that we could see where we were going. We could stay in a row and we could get this cut done. And again, I know you people out there, maybe you don't have an image of what we're talking about, but it is just separating the material in front of us. So our blade could come through and cut behind. Yep. And we're talking about this snow plow. And I think Steve grabbed that idea. Yeah. And he just went out and he did it. He, he, um, he got some, I think welding wire initially and started bending it into a shape. And the next thing you know, we have this little, nose or bull nose front end that we would put on this cutting tool. And it was, you know, it turned out to be a really neat invention and it's actually something we still use today. Still use today. What? 18 years later now. Yep. We're still using that same design that Steve came up with, with us just sitting there saying, Hey, there's gotta be a way to, to fix this problem that's in front of us. Hey, Steve, if you are listening there are forever long dealers all over the country thanking you right now, even if they don't know it, because if yes. they had to do it the old way, uh, they, they might not hang around. That was pretty rough. But yeah, so so we we got the opportunity to um, develop this core value of innovation, working together. You know, Brian, you and I didn't come up with how to do it, but we kind of had the idea and together as a team. And that's how this this happens a lot of times we come up with a solution that at least made it better. Right. And we still had to learn how to use this tool, how to make it work, but we we were kind of forging our way through it. And just real quick on innovation. I think what you said there is really good because innovation is often a build. It's not one person that comes up with an idea that says, Hey, in light bulb moment, boom, here it is. It's, it's people working together and, and looking at problems and how do we solve them? And, and, you know, one person has this idea and then another person, it sparks a different idea. And it, this build process gets to a point where you finally have a solution. And, you know, sometimes we talk about, you know, th- there's also a difference between trying to do it on your own, going on your own to do something and working together as a team. And we say, you know, innovation happens as a team. If you're out there on your own doing something different, yeah, that's going rogue. You're rogue. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's very different. But and, and as you're talking about that, Brian, that build, the innovation isn't necessarily a collection of good ideas all put together. No. It's a lot of time a collection of bad ideas. And you have an idea and you put it out and you talk about it, you find out it's bad or it's missing something. So you come up with another idea. And maybe that idea is bad because it's missing something else. But you keep bouncing and refining and talking and working and that leads you to the good idea. But, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times, I, me personally, I know a lot of people do, you sometimes get paralyzed with this trying to come up with the answer, right? Yep. And you're just stuck there. What is the answer? Well, sometimes you got to come up with the wrong answer and work through and find out why it's wrong to help you refine that process and come to the right answer. And I think that's been something over our time that we've we've learned to do well. And it's good that we can have bad ideas and they're still part of the process because that includes me. So I can <laughs> I can now participate. But there'll be times we'll be sitting in a meeting and we'll say something like, I know this isn't the right answer, but here is a thought I had. What if we did this? And And you know it's wrong, but you still throw it out there because that might spark an idea from someone else. And, and I think, like you said, sometimes you, you have this desire to be perfect, to, to be the one with the right answer. And if that's, if you're holding out for that, 
you're going to rob your team of your bad idea because your bad idea might be exactly it what the team lead needs to, to lead to the good idea. Yeah. And look, you know, this too, as parents, as husbands, as spouses, whatever we, we go through that a lot where, you know, it's like, Hey, Lori, I have this idea. And it's like, yeah, that's a really bad idea, but it starts that process yep. of how are we doing this with the kids or how are we doing this as a family or what are we doing here or there? What have you? So it was true for us and this defining how to install mm -hmm. artificial turf. It's true for us in business as we get together meetings and collaborate, come with up with ideas. It's true in, in life. And so as the developer of a bad idea, don't be afraid to have it. And yep. as a person who hears somebody else giving a bad idea, don't ridicule people and don't do this. Boy, that is so stupid. Or that's the dumbest thing, right? It's real easy to chop somebody off. And what you're doing is you're cutting down innovation. You're cutting down the opportunity to get better. Let the bad idea come out and beat around and say, hey, well, let's talk about that. And then you talk about, let me say, well, you know, here's, here's some of the challenges with this. Yep. But that's going to lead to something else. Sometimes we're too quick to just. Yeah. Instead of saying no, it's, it's the old improv idea. You say yes. And, but you, you can say it, well, well, that's an interesting idea or we could, and you build on it. And, and rather than, because as soon as you say no, or you laugh at an idea, you, you, kill you it. squelch innovation. So provide that fertile ground for innovation. Yeah. So, so here we are back in, um, you know, for everyone started in, what we say? April 22nd. Yep, of 2004. Uh, 2004, but we actually started installing this product before we incorporated Fairlawn because I remember the first jobs we had, I think this first one you were talking about was the week before Easter. And we had, you know, we'd gotten some product in because we needed to do jobs. And uh, your wife also happened to be very yeah. pregnant at the time. Yeah. I have a daughter, Meredith now who I hadn't met face to face yet. She was born Actually, Easter Sunday of 2004, but like that week leading up, I mean, we're, we're out working, we're doing projects, we're trying to get stuff done. And there was something, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but I know in Albuquerque, it seemed like everybody Special wanted projects events. done before Easter. I don't know why that was. Easter Sunday was a, a big day for family events, but people wanted these projects done. We had to get things done. So I remember working that you know, Thursday, Friday on these projects. And we went out to the West side and started a project. And then Saturday, I think Angie was maybe starting to have contractions or we knew we were close. So you went out and, and you were plugging away with yeah. Ruben that Saturday before Easter. Yes. So <laughs> I just, look, I love telling stories. I want to talk about this a little bit. So we go, the first job that was in, I'm going to say it was in the Northeast Heights yes. and, um, we were trying, these people wanted this done before Easter. And I think we were working on that job, Brian. We might have started on Tuesday, Wednesday. You were out there the first day without me. I, I forget why. I was probably back at the office eating bonbons or something. Of course. But, um, or running I the remember Santa Fe we, to pay insurance <laughs> or the utilities or what have you. Um, I remember we get out there and, and we're, we don't know how to cut it. And we're trying to figure out how to cut it because we didn't have this tool yet. And we're, we're working as a team, figuring this out. And it took so long. And then not just were we having to trim the edges off the grass like you would on a normal install. We had some challenges with the product. You were talking about the alternating rows. Well, 
they were producing the product, there were like two or three spots in each roll where two rows were together, either too tall or too curled. And that makes a streak. I noticed why this looks like like a racing stripe down the grass and you know, people generally don't want a racing stripe down their lawn. So, Especially not inconsistently spaced ones. So we were having to take a 15-foot roll. We were having to cut off the edges. And then yep. we would have to cut out the streaks. We'd have to cut both sides of a streak. So if there were three streaks in a roll of grass, we're having to make six extra cuts yep. that just took forever. This was painstakingly slow, and we've got this deadline but we had to make the product look good. And I remember just, oh, it was like, and this is job one, right? Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this. And being out in the road with that grass upside down, trying to figure out how we could cut it from the back and that not work. And then flipping over to the front and, and, and you, you know, maybe we're cutting a 20 foot roll and we'd get this, cutting and, and we could do 17 feet right and if at that last three feet you happen to jump the row you'd have to go back and recut the whole thing because you had to have one straight cut the whole way down and that that was really tough it was it was a, and and you know in the end we we provided the customer a great product it Absolutely. looked great finished it created extra labor extra work on our part which took these jobs that we thought would be two-day jobs stretched them into job three take a three or four, four. days and so the the one you know in the Northeast Heights we did get done. Uh, they were able to have their Easter celebration. Yeah, I think we finished that one up either late Thursday night. I think it was late Thursday night because I think they had something on Good Friday. Maybe we were up there Friday morning finishing it. Yeah, and and uh, actually I think I might have gone out to the West Side with Ruben and you finished that one up and then you came out with us. But but then we got to start that job out on the West Side. And the same, same thing, same challenges. We got another another role for that job. You know, the, the streaks might have been in the same place, might have been different, but they were there as well. So we're now two for two, and we've got to go through the same thing. Now, this time, <clears throat> Angie, I guess she didn't read the notes that we had an important <laughs> install to do. She goes into labor. Now, we're going to blame it on Meredith. <laughs> Meredith didn't wait. So, yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with um, my family situation. Dale's out there. So I, in a project that in a normal time for, we would have started on Thursday and we would have been able to complete Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday, but now we didn't start till Friday and it's going to take three days, except they need it on Sunday. Now you're down a guy. They needed it Sunday and I kind of needed to be home on Sunday. I mean, I missed good Friday. I, we, we were working till this is the kind of time when you break out the flashlights and the headlights yes. and, so Good Friday, we were, you know, sun up to past sundown. Saturday, uh, you know, you were with Angie where you should be, and uh, Ruben and I are out there. We have to get this job done. And I remember, you know, getting a call from Lori, like, you know, hey, when are you coming home? And it's, well, when when the job's done. And it went till, well, a couple hours past dark to get that done and finish it. But we were able to finish that job. The customer had a, a nice, beautiful yard for Easter Sunday, like they wanted. And I was able to be home Easter Sunday, but <laughs> I might've had a little bit of a frustrated wife about missing uh good Friday and, yeah. you know, Saturday in between. Thank you. And Lori, thank you, Angie. You two are incredibly understanding as we went through this. 
But, uh, you know, in the beginning we talked about, did you ever get a present that you really wanted, but it wasn't exactly what you hoped? And that's exactly what we had here. We had these, you know, and sometimes it felt like Christmas morning when you were opening these rolls. These rolls, oh, yeah. turf come and they're covered in plastic and you cut them open. And, and I never saw Easter turn to trick or treat so many <laughs> It's such a quick fashion, oh. and in this case, it was usually, usually the, trick. the tricks. Yeah, but you know, the, again, I think for us, the the key takeaway was you've got to you've got to one put yourself in a situation with new new things, new products to stretch yourself, and and you know, I think the the way we said it was you have a gap between where you want to be and where you currently are. And you've got innovation and resolution that fill that gap. And it's not just innovation, because sometimes it's just determination or resolution to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to work that extra day. We're going to work that side. We're going to get it done. Um, but often it's that what spurs innovation as well, going out into the unknown and doing something unique and different. Yeah. And, and you said there, um, innovation and resolution. Uh, so as you said, we created innovative ways to get this, but we had to resolve the current products. We couldn't leave a bad install for a customer. We couldn't leave a bad looking project. We couldn't leave it either undone or done poorly. So we're, we're innovating, trying to figure out how to do it. But at the same time that right, that innovation didn't happen in a day that happened over time, but we had to, in the moment, resolve the challenge. And, and we fixed that by working longer, working harder, doing more manually and fighting through to, to get it better and get it right. And we wouldn't leave a, a project until it was resolved and resolved well, um, but realized we can't stay there, right. right? This, this resolution isn't a place we can live. So in the moment it's resolution, long-term it's innovation and we've got to develop the systems and the tools and the methods to get better. And, and you know that that's growth. That whole process is growth, right? We we couldn't yep. we couldn't be the people we were before we started. We had to grow and change. Our methods had to grow and change. And um, you know, you you have a, a note up here. It says uh, you know if we hadn't started working with a product we didn't know and understand, um, we would have never ventured out and figured out new install techniques and new tools and things like that. And that's that thing you said a few minutes ago, you have to put yourself in positions that will force growth, that will stretch you, that will create, um, you know, sometimes some uncomfortable situations that you need to work through. Yeah. So, you know, we always want to say, you know, what, what, obviously we're sharing our story here, but we don't want you to just look at it and see our story. We want you to look at it and see yourselves and your story. And maybe there are places right now where you need to step out into the unknown and that's going to create um, an opportunity for innovation and for resolution to say, Hey, I'm going to make this work. Even though I don't know exactly how I'm going to step out knowing that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it work. And then be willing to do that. Yeah, and I like your word there because I was I was finishing what you were going to say. You you put yourself in situations where you face and my head said challenges and you said opportunities and and that's what it is. Every challenge is really an opportunity, and the the if we look at it as opportunities, it really is. Uh, they are challenges, yes, but challenges is a disguise, uh, an opportunity in disguise. And so um, I, I love that approach you had of, yeah, put yourself in that 
position of opportunity, opportunity to learn, opportunity to grow, opportunity to develop, an opportunity to come up with new ideas, new solutions to um, some of the things you're dealing with. And then when you're in those those moments where innovation happens, remember that it's a process, it's a build. It's not a, hey, let me come up with the perfect answer out of the gate. Use it as a team, develop as a team, uh, bounce ideas off other people, be willing to throw out bad ideas, even if you know it's not right, because it might spark an idea of someone else that will lead to the right idea. And when you say throw out, you mean introduce. <laughs> yes. Before you, you may throw out. Yes, you would throw it be, out. Be willing yes. to introduce new ideas, come up with new ideas, beat them up, then throw them out, and, and eventually it'll bring you to the, to the new ones. So, um, but, but we're going to dive into some of these challenges we face in more detail, I think maybe in the next episode or two, because there, there are some real stories that grow around that. But, yes, but guys, um, you know, we're, we're again, we're trying to bring to you lessons, opportunities to learn things we dealt with that can hopefully help you in, in your daily life, whether it's at work or at home or relationships, what have you. And, and again, our, our goal is to help you become people of impact and then together work to create people of impact. So um, I'd encourage you, scroll down, look at the show notes. Uh, there's a lot of other information we put together with each of these shows that is fun and valuable, but uh, also there are ways to share, whether you're taking a screenshot and sending it to somebody, you're forwarding a link to the show. Help us get this message out there. This isn't, you know, it's not, we're not trying to spread our story so much as a story, the story God gave us and using that to impact others. And I'll just throw out a little teaser there that the next, we have a few special episodes coming up, but we also have the next few uh, episodes as we go into this story. And there, when I look back, there's some crazy, crazy moments that we're, we're going to be sharing. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with all of you. We'll see you next week. Go be people of impact. This is the Fred Kwame reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.